Thanks to Warby Parker for supporting Molly Fool Answers. Get boutique quality stylish eyewear and sunglasses at revolutionary prices. Try them for yourself by going to warbyparker.com slash fool to order your free home try-on kit with free shipping all around. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at the Motley Fool. Well, hello, Allison. Well, hello there. We're going to take our listeners on a wonderful journey through time and give you your financial priorities for every decade of your life. We're also going to answer your question about avoiding dividend stocks because of taxes. Should you? I don't know. Let's ask Bro. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. It's time for Answers, Answers, and this week's question comes from Anna Paris from Twitter. She writes, I'm 10 to 20 years away from retirement. Should I avoid dividend stocks in order to avoid the income tax? Well, that's an interesting question, Anna. And I would say if you're going to avoid dividend payers, the problem there is you're actually going to have to ignore most of the market because most stocks actually do pay dividends. Also, several studies have shown that as a group, dividend payers outperform non payers over the long term, although that can change depending on the time frame you look at it, like during the 90s during the boom boom years it was actually better to have not dividend payers but of course that all changed all those non-dividend payers didn't turn out so well in the 2000s um, but i will give you a real life example of investing in a dividend payer outside of an ira because i just came across this when i did my taxes so 20 years ago when i was but a wee little bro or at least a oh baby bro <laughs> bro with less hair i was a poor teacher bro with probably more hair actually <laughs> probably oh, maybe more hair that's what i meant to say <laughs> uh, so anyways i was a poor teacher i was about to leave teaching to go to grad school so i was not investing a whole lot but i found out that home depot had what is called a direct stock purchase plan or a dividend reinvestment plan you could send the money directly to the company and then, so you didn't have to have a brokerage account. You didn't need a broker. So, and the minimum was five hundred bucks. So this is nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety seven. Sent them five hundred bucks. But because it's not in my brokerage account, I always kind of forget about it until tax time rolls around when they tell me how much I owe in taxes based on the dividends they pay me. So this morning I looked and it's like, how much is that worth now? Because I really haven't been paying attention. So five hundred dollars back in like ninety six, ninety seven. Today it is worth. More than six thousand wow. dollars, because the stock price has gone up. But because I've been reinvesting the dividends to buy more shares, and those dividends are grown. I don't have the information from when I first bought it, but I do have the information from the end of the year of two thousand. Back then, I had twenty-nine shares, and each share paid a quarterly dividend at the end of two thousand of four cents per share. Now I have over forty shares, and each dividend, the last quarterly dividend was 89 cents. So it's gone up from 4 cents hmm. to 89. So that's all good. But Anna brings up a good point and that is while this has been growing, I have been paying taxes on the dividends. So even though you've reinvested them, you still have to pay taxes on exactly, them. Exactly. That's <laughs> a very good point. So if you're going to invest in dividend paying stocks and you are also going to invest in non-payers, ideally keep the dividend payers in your IRA and 401k. Use your regular taxable brokerage for the non-payers, but don't let that avoid. Don't not invest in a good stock just because it pays a dividend, and you have to have it in the taxable brokerage account. Thanks to Warby Parker for sponsoring today's episode. Warby Parker makes high-quality, stylish, and affordable glasses that start at only $95, including prescription lenses. The Home Try-On program allows you to order five pairs of glasses. They ship directly to your door, where you can then try them on in the comfort of your home and get feedback from friends and family, and even colleagues. So guess what? What? 
I got five pairs of sunglasses to try on, and you guys are going to help me figure out which ones I want to do. All right. Okay, so there. Okay, so you're so opening the box. I open got- my box. This is horrible radio, but whatever. Uh, and so there are five sunglasses here. I've already run through the office with a few of them. So, um, and these are the two winners so far. So I need you to help me decide. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. This is Madison. Is it hard to tell with my headphones? Okay. 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 Looks good. Okay. This is Durant. Durand. Okay, so I'm going to go with the first one because it doesn't have as much of a pattern and I'm kind of a boring person. Okay. I'm an exciting person, so I'm going with the second one. Ah, so we're not helping you man, at all. You're not are, helping basically, at all. are you boring or exciting? If you're exciting, go with Rick's idea. No, I'm not exciting. But here's what I will do. I'll go ahead and I'll post pictures of me wearing the glasses and our <laughs> listeners can help decide which ones I go with. I'll, po- I'll post them on Twitter. But anyway, it's really fun. You go online, you pick your five um, like frames that you want to get. I don't wear prescription lenses because I have such good eyesight that I can actually see into the future. So um, I got sunglasses and then they come to you in a box and you try them on and then you pick which one you like and it's a great pain-free awesome process. So anyway, if our listeners would like to give it a try, they can go to warbyparker.com slash fool to order their free home try-on kit and of course it's free shipping back and forth. You're listening to WFOL Radio. We're playing the greatest hits from your decade, no matter how old you are. We've got the tunes and the financial advice that'll be music to your ears. I can't, I can't keep doing that. <laughs> In today's episode, Bro is going to offer up the best advice for every decade of your life. What should be your top priority in your 20s? How much should you have saved by your 40s? And what is the biggest ma- mistake to avoid in your 50s? Bro? We're going to do all that. We're going to actually take take people all the way into post-retirement. That's true. All right, so let's start with for our listeners in their 20s. Your 20s are an exciting time. You're starting to adult. You're shopping at Ikea, and you're thinking, maybe you should maybe, at some point, maybe kind of a little bit, start thinking about your finances some more. Maybe a little bit. The very first thing you should think about, because I'm the retirement guy at The Fool, is saving for your retirement. And if you, if you start in your 20s, you should be shooting for maybe 10, if not 15% of your income. And that is how much you contribute to your accounts, and you can throw in your employer match as well. So if you're contributing 10 and the match is 5, then you've hit that 15%. If you wait until you're like mid 30s to start saving for retirement, then you have to start targeting like 15, 20, 25. So starting soon is definitely better. The other thing you want to focus on in your 20s is paying off debt. Many people graduate with student loans. They might have gotten those credit cards in college that came with a free t-shirt and they maybe used them a little too much. So you want to focus on paying down that debt. And one of the best things about paying off that debt is you will start building your credit score. And that is the third priority of your 20s. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Your credit score will determine so much about your financial life. Whether you can get a loan, the interest rate on a loan, insurance rates, employers, all types of things. So this is the time when you want to focus on building a great credit score. And the most important thing about your credit score is basically making your payments on time. All right, how much money should you have saved for retirement in your 20s? Well, the average person in their mid-20s, their, the average income in the U.S. is, is anywhere between thirty dollars and $40,000. So it's not a lot. So basically, as long as you're starting, that's good. You want to target to have at least about half of your income in retirement accounts by the time you get to your 30s. And then, what about a mistake to avoid? What's the number one mistake to avoid in your 20s? I would say the biggest mistake is basically getting married too soon. When you look at divorce statistics, so 
according to the Department of Labor, for people who get married between the ages of 15 and 22. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> divorce rate, 58%. You wait until 23, 28, it is closer to 43%. Once you make it into your 30s or so, it starts 36%. So I think the longer you wait, the better your odds that you will stay married. And why is that good for your finances? Well, divorce is very expensive and costs anywhere from a few hundred dollars to tens of thousands. The average is around $10,000 to $15,000. You have to split up all your assets, and of course, there's an emotional toll. So wait until you've actually <laughs> convinced you have found the right person to get married. Let's head back on over to WFOL Radio. And if you're in your 20s, and you might remember this song that was burning up the charts. It's the official song of summer for 2010. are an exciting time. You're hitting all the major milestones. Marriage, homeownership, kids, and a career. You're making a lot of decisions. And because of those aforementioned kids, probably on very little sleep. So true. So, what should be your priorities in your 30s? Well, you touched on it there. Number one is really your career. And that is being very strategic about your career. When you think about it, your job is going to determine so much about your finances. Your income, your benefits, your retirement, because of the quality of your 401k and whether you have a pension, will be a big factor in your retirement savings. Um, and even, of course, your happiness. So, you want to make sure that you have a job that you enjoy, but I think it's very important to be strategic about it and to continually come up with ways to make yourself more valuable to your employer, to your colleagues, and to your customers. Uh, number two, arrange your finances for a family. So, that has several aspects. First of all, it's a slightly bigger emergency fund. Um, it's time to get life insurance. You probably haven't thought about that, but once you have kids, you really need to get life insurance. It's also time to finally get an estate plan. Um, majority of people in America don't. According to a Gallup poll last year, only 44% of Americans have a will. Um, but once you have kids, you need to set up your finances in a way to take care of them in case something happens to you. And then the third priority in your 30s, maybe buy a house. We've talked, before, we've talked before about how, well, maybe it's not such the best thing in the world, but most people do, especially once they have a family. Just keep in mind that you want to be buying a house that you're going to be happy with for at least six years, ideally a decade. And how much should you have saved for retirement in your 30s? Once you're at around 30, you want to be aiming for about one half of your household income. By the time you're in your mid-30s, you want to have about one to two times your household income stashed away in your 401ks. In your IRAs. I should add that you could also add other things to that. Maybe employee stock if you receive it. Maybe home equity if you plan to downsize when you retire. But for the most part, you're really just looking at how much money you've saved in your retirement accounts. All right. And what's the biggest mistake to avoid in your 30s? I would say buying too much car and replacing it too soon. Because remember, when we're all in our 20s, we're driving like the piece of junk. And finally, once we're in our 30s, we have finally a little bit of money. We decide to buy a car, maybe buy too much of a car or too nice of a car, and we sell it too soon. Um, according to IHS Automotive, the average new home, new car purchase, the person keeps it for about 6.6 years, which is actually longer than it used to be. So people are getting this message, but the average length of a or the average lifespan of a car that's on the road now is almost 12 years. So in other words, they could keep that car longer, but they choose not to. But you think of like even just putting off a new car purchase a year. With the average monthly payment now is between four hundred and five hundred dollars. That's a several thousand dollars more that you can save just by keeping that car for another year. 
Let's head back to the radio, shall we? If you're in your 30s, you may remember getting motion sick and throwing up in your favorite yellow sweatshirt at the theater during the Blair Witch Project. Oh, so jerky, that camera action. (laughs) I know, I sure do. You might also remember the Song of Summer for 1999. Yeah, it's that genie in a bottle. Forties are an exciting time. Your kids are so busy with school and their friends that it gives you time to get to know you again. You'll do things like start a sticks cover band with your neighbors, and you'll lie to yourself and your friends that it's actually cool to drive a minivan. And it's practical, too, because of all those guitars and amps you'll have to haul around to open mic nights. One day. <laughs> Does that sound like your forties, guys? Rush. Sorry, it's a Rush cover no, band. Sticks, actually, I was a big Sticks fan before I was a big Rush fan. So <laughs> I still Bo- don't have time to practice my guitars. Both of those work. <laughs> it's so funny because Easter's coming up. My wife and I are talking about what to... At this point, we get the kids more little gifts than candy. And I got, a, I got Sticks as Mr. Roboto in eighth grade. At East, my Easter basket. I still remember this <laughs> many years later. Because it was the coolest thing ever. Because it was the coolest thing ever. Okay, so... 40s, three priorities. So you want to be super saving uh, for your retirement. And people, most people hit their peak earning years, late 40s, early 50s. Um, you know, from the point from your 20s to your 40s, your income probably went up pretty significantly because you were climbing the corporate ladder. It starts to level off once you reach your late 40s, early 50s. So you're you're about at where you're going to be. So you want to take advantage of that as much as possible. So that's number one. Number two, start planning for how you'll pay for college for the kids. And that means, of course, saving, but also arranging your finances to a certain degree um, for financial aid. And you don't want to wait until the year before they go to college. You want to start doing that a good three years. So if your kid's a sophomore in high school, you need to start thinking about arranging your finances for financial aid. And actually, even a freshman in, in high school is a better way to do that. And then number three is to update your estate plan, which includes your life insurance. You know, If you got your will and your life insurance back in your 30s, when you first had kids and your first house and all that stuff, a lot has changed since then. You might have had more kids. You've accumulated more assets. You probably own things that are not incorporated into your will. You're also earning more money, so you might need more life insurance. So now's the time of life to do that. And how much did you have saved for retirement in your 40s? So by the time you reach 40, ideally two to three times your household income. By your mid 40s, you want to be around four times. Oh, yes. Things accelerate. So things and there's a lot, of course, variation on this. Depends on your own situation. Depends on your income. Depends on whether you get a traditional pension or not. So these are rough guidelines, but they're good. They're good road signs along the way of whether you're roughly on track or not. And what's a big mistake to avoid in your 40s? Uh, I, I would say actually spending too much on kids, as we've talked about kids. There was a good article in the Wall Street Journal last year about mistakes to avoid, um, and it quoted a financial planner at Compass Planning Associates in Boston. Her name was Jennifer Lane, and she recommended that in general, parents pay no more than 10% of income on expenses related to kids. I'd never heard that guideline before, but I kind of liked it. She also said that giving kids allowances actually helps keep costs down. Her quote was, they'll choose not to spend when it's their money versus your money, which I thought was pretty good. Um, so, you know, it's very difficult. You want to give your kids all that they want. You want to send them to camps. You want to get them whatever when it comes to clothes and toys or even college situation I'm in with my kids right now. We've looked at two colleges so far this year. One was UVA as Virginia resident. 
One was Duke. There's about a $40,000 a year difference between those two yeah, schools. Yeah, so I know where you're leaning. Right, right. Well, you, know, you just have to put it in the context of your own finances. You don't want to compromise your own financial security because at some point, if you don't take care of your own financial security, if you don't take care of your own retirement, it's going to fall back on your kids at some point. Let's head back to the radio. If you're in your 40s, you also remember this iconic song from 1986 because the video pretty much blew everyone's mind and aired a hundred times a day on MTV. Wubba, wubba, wubba! I wanna be Your 50s are an exciting time. You're reaching cruising altitude in your career. The kids who also work in your office perplex you, but that's fine if they think you're the old wise one in the office because you've learned the coolest thing you can do in life is not care what other people think about you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to my 50s, I think, for that reason. So, right. what should be your priorities in your 50s? Well, it's a time to do some great retirement saving. Hey! hey. I said it was uh, an exciting time. But uh, so, take advantage of the higher retirement account contribution limits. So, for example, this year, if you are not 50 and older, you can only contribute $18,000 to a 401k or 5500 to an IRA. But if you're 50 or older, you can put an extra 6000 into the 401k, extra 1000 in the IRA. So, take advantage of that. Number two, take advantage of the extra money you have since kids are out of college and out of the house. And I've talked to many subscribers to my early retirement service about we're talking about how basically surprised they were at how much money they had once the kids were gone. But the problem is some people then use that money to buy a second house or a boat or something like that. If you're behind in your retirement savings, what you should be doing is really getting it into your retirement accounts. And number three, take a good hard look at your retirement projections. I'm a big fan of retirement calculators, but honestly, if you're using them in your 20s and 30s, maybe even in your 40s, there's so many variables that you have to take a guess at. They're probably not going to be totally accurate. But once you're in your 50s, you really have to start looking at whether you're on track. And and a good retirement calculator can actually get a relatively accurate projection of whether you're headed in the right direction. All right. And how much should you have saved? So, around age 50, maybe five to six times of your household income. Once you're in your mid-50s, you really want to be six to seven times. And what's a mistake to avoid? I would say ignoring debt. One trend that we've seen over the last few decades is people entering retirement with more debt. So, according to Federal Reserve, back in 1989, only 11% of people in the 65 to 74 age group had a mortgage. Back in 2013, that was 43%. So almost half of people 65 and older having a mortgage. Now, I've talked before in previous episodes how I think it's a great idea to go into retirement without mortgage or whether it, or car loans or any other kind of debt because it lowers expenses. You don't have to take so much out of your retirement account. So uh, once you're getting to your 50s, especially when you're supposed to be playing a little safer with your portfolio, but the safe investments these days are cash and bonds, which no one likes. Use some of that money that would be considered quote unquote safe money to pay down debt. If you're in your 50s, all I have to say is epic sax solo. And you'll know what I'm talking about. It's this hit from 1978.
these are an exciting time. These are the years where you transition out of being a workaday Joe, and it gives you time to, you know what? Get to know you again. Again. You and your neighbors try to get a Trogs cover band together and end up playing Friday nights at the country club. Not bad. So, what should be your top money priorities in your 60s? All right, so we're thinking here in terms of the early 60s, and that obviously it's time to get ready for retirement. What that means is really learning a lot about Social Security and Medicare, because these are two programs that are going to have a big influence on the quality of your retirement. Um, you also have to learn, number two, learn how to turn your portfolio into an income-generating machine. You know, for Up until now, you've been spending decades learning how to accumulate money, but it's a little different in terms of using portfolio to generate income. It might be the first time in your life that you've ever actually looked at bonds, for example. So, learn about how to turn, make your portfolio generate income. Number three, I would also say it might be time to visit a fee-only financial planner. You might have had a financial planner all along, but if you never have, this is such an important transition and so many moving parts. It's time to get a good, qualified second opinion on when you actually can retire. And you want to get someone who provides holistic advice. A lot of people who call themselves financial advisors, they just really provide advice about your portfolio, but don't really know that much about Social Security, Medicare, and things like that. So you want to get a good, fee only, comprehensive financial planner. All right. How much did you have saved for retirement in your 60s? By age 60, you want to be shooting for eight to 10 times your household income. All right. And what's a good mistake to avoid? Retiring too soon. A lot of people retire just because, for example, they're eligible for Social Security at age 62, and they think, well, I can take it now. Why shouldn't I retire? But that doesn't mean that really all their finances are ready for retirement. And we're all aware of many of the studies indicate most people aren't prepared. But if you look at what people can do to improve their chances of having a secure retirement, really it basically means retiring closer to age 70. It's more years of contributing to your accounts, more years of them growing without you touching them, and years of maximizing Social Security, putting it off to age 70. When you look at, if you if you think of everyone retiring at age 70 in this country, the vast majority of people are actually pretty prepared for retirement. All right, let's head on over to the AM dial. Does that still exist? It does. Great. If you're in your 60s, you'll probably remember this classic that is so saccharine sweet, you'll get a stomachache. Cherish us Your 70s and beyond are an exciting time. Your years of saving and planning are paying off. You get to volunteer your time, travel, spoil grandchildren. Sure, your body aches a bit, and you've got some sunspots and some laugh lines around your mouth, but they are all signs of a life well lived. So, (laughs) what should be your priorities in retirement? So, number one, you want to ensure your portfolio will last as long as you do, and that is understanding safe withdrawal rates in retirement, which is just one of my favorite topics. Yeah, <laughs> and I know. Most people, and you know, <laughs> and most people know they think of four percent, and that's a classic rule of thumb, and it's a fine rule of thumb. But it, for most people, you should be taking out either a little bit more or a little bit less, depending on your circumstances. Starting, for example, with your age. The studies that determine that four percent safe withdrawal rate, withdrawal rate assume you retire at age 65. But what if you're 55? What if you're 75? 
So you really need to learn about how all that goes. I would recommend the three people to read about to learn about this type of stuff is David Blanchett at Morningstar, Michael Kitsis, and Wade Fow, and Fow spelled P-F-A-U. So if you want to learn a lot about safe withdrawal rates and retirement, go check out those guys. Number two, you want to learn how to sell investments in a tax-efficient manner. Right, You're now at this situation where you are selling assets to generate income. One rule of thumb is if you have a taxable account, a traditional tax-deferred account in a Roth, you drain your taxable account first, then the traditional account, then the Roth. But it, it, it depends on your circumstances because it might be better to touch the Roth a little bit sooner to avoid huge withdrawals from traditional accounts when you have to take money out at 70 and a half. So there's some stuff to learn about that. But you're basically, there are lots of ways to reduce the tax bill on how you turn your portfolio into an income generating machine. And then the third one is managing health care costs. For most retirees, most of their expenses actually go down as they get older. The one exception is health care. So for someone who's 65, on average, they spend about 10% of their budget on health care. 85-year-olds, about 20%. So you, of course, want to, first of all, make sure you're taking care of yourself so you don't have to spend so much on health care, but then understanding the health care system, Medicare, and all that so that you can manage those costs as well as possible. All right. And how much should you have saved, I guess, once you're in retirement? Right. Well, all generally it, speaking, 100%. You should, so as a, as a good rule of thumb, you should have 12 times your annual income mm. before you retire. And then beyond that, it depends on your age, but you should that's... The 12 is a good good rule of thumb. If you have a lower income or a lot of your income will be provided by Social Security and a pension, you can have less. If you had a higher income throughout your life, Social Security is not going to replace as much of that, so you might need something like 14 times your income before you retire. All right, and this is a tough question, but what do you think is one of the biggest mistakes to avoid in your retirement? I would say not preparing for changes in your ability and availability to handle your finances. And what I mean by that is, as we get older, sometimes we just basically are not as sharp as we used to be. Um, a month ago, we had a fellow by the name of Dr. Sumit Argawal, who is here. He's a professor from professor from Georgetown. He's talking about behavioral finance. And in one of his studies, he basically concluded that we make our peak age for financial decisions is 53. Mm. It turns out, actually, like our our pure raw intellectual power, like IQ, peaks pretty early in life, like in our 20s. But it's compensated by basically wisdom and experiential learning. Once we hit age 53, that might be the peak. And for some people, it goes down considerably to a point where as many as half of people in their 80s and 90s have some sort of cognitive difficulty with handling their finances. Not everyone. Warren Buffett's in his 80s and he's doing just fine. But you have to prepare for that possibility. So that means getting your estate plan set up and thinking, who's going to handle my finances if either A, I'm mentally not able to do it, or if I'm the person in this married couple that handles the finances and I die before my spouse, who's going to handle the finances? So it could be a uh, one of your kids that you trust, or it could be you start a relationship with a good financial planner who can handle that for you later in life. Let's head over to WFOL one more time before signing off for the day. If you're in your 70s or in retirement and took a motley approach to your finances, you're no poor little fool, like the one in this summer hit from 1958 by Ricky Nelson. I used to play around with hearts, hasten at my call. But when I met that little girl, I knew that I would fall for a little fool. Oh yeah, I was a fool, uh-huh. 
fun. It was fun. So nostalgic. Anytime we can work music into a show, <laughs> uh, I get I get excited because I love music. It's funny how all of these songs that were like the big summer songs or the big sum- songs of like the year, a lot of them just weren't really that lasting. Like there weren't a lot of like Beatles songs and stuff like that. It's kind of weird. Whatever. People are fickle. I guess so. So that's the show. Uh, I don't have any postcards to talk about this week. Womp womp. But um, I will tell you that the show is edited nostalgically by Rick Engdahl. Our email is answersatfull.com. Of course, drop us a line or follow us on Twitter or join our face group, Facebook group, face page. Face thingy, blah, 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 blah. Whatever. We're done. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. <laughs>